back to Cranky Commentaries. As always, my name is Jake Dimastro, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. What if we had, like, a real crane on as a guest, man? <laughs> What's up? So, uh, what film are we talking about this week? <laughs> yeah, so, intro there by Huey Lewis, and no, we're not talking about Back to the Future. No. Uh, we are talking about... The second part of Pineapple Express. Yes, which is the production, all parts of it, I guess. Pre and post. Indeed. And during. Yeah. And all places. Yes. I don't know what that means. (laughs) I don't know. All all places of duction. Yes. So last week we talked kind of mostly about, we got like our themes down and like. Yeah. uh, We talked a little bit about. You know, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg and their history. Exactly. We set it up. And yeah. And by themes, I mean theme. Yeah. There's one theme. One singular theme. Let's just, should we just jump right into it? Yeah, let's just jump right into it. Okay, so what, what do we got to say about the production of this film? Well, first of all, the, uh, the idea for the character of uh, Saul, which is, I think that's kind of, the movie was based around the character of Saul, um, mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense. It was based off of, I don't know if you've seen this film, I think you have, we've talked about it before, True Romance. You know what? I have another confession to make, I've never seen True Romance. Oh, really? You should check it out, it's yeah. a good film, it's I got mean, Brad I, Pitt I in. think I said, I think that was the exact reaction that we had last time it was mentioned. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah. Harkens way back to episode number one, probably. Um, right, because we're talking about Tony Scott. Yeah, Tony Scott, director of True Romance. Um, yeah. In that film is a character played by Brad Pitt. Yes. Who spends most of his time. Did you watch that clip that I sent you? I sent you a clip that has like a... Did you? Oh, right. Okay, yeah. It's Floyd is basically, he's just this stoner character who's got, like, long hair. It's Brad Pitt. He talks like this, man. And he's just, throughout yeah. the movie, he's not a main character. He's a side character. He only shows up a few times, but throughout the movie... This was fairly early in his career. Yeah. Throughout the movie, he just, like, s- sits on the couch and smokes weed and 
it's just great lines from Brad Pitt. Great <laughs> acting from Brad Pitt. Right. Um, but you should check out check that out. His character. I mean, yeah, no, I I feel like I should. I just you know had the the time. Yeah, you know. yeah. You know, there are so many movies. There's a lot of fucking movies, dude. It's, there are a lot of movies. And you know what? I spent a you lot. Know, we've been making them for. Over a hundred years now. Yeah. There's a lot of them. There's a fucking lot of them. And I spend so much time rewatching ones I've already seen. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And yet. And they're still making them. And they're still making them. Fucking so many. They should probably stop. What if they just stopped for like five years? Do you think. I mean, they're not making as many right now. No, it's true, but. I mean, it's still not enough. We need a sweet... Like, what do you think? Like, five years? Stop. Like, If they just stopped making movies for five years? Just let us catch up. I mean, I know we couldn't catch up, catch up. Well, you couldn't really catch up, but, like, but you I could, don't know. You could do some damage in five years. Yeah. With nothing new? I don't know, maybe yeah. not. No, like, I could, I could watch movies for five years and definitely... Like, anybody could watch fucking five years worth of movies and not have a repeat. Oh yeah, easy. Like not have seen a movie that they've already seen before. And like it's just like, do you want to try? Yeah. I don't know if we're counting like like if you have a job and like commitments and stuff or if you just con if you just wake up. Anyway, this is a whole <laughs> I mean, you, obviously if you if you if you have literally nothing to do, yeah, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it definitely yeah, makes watching 5000 movies Wait, why but, did yeah. I? I don't know why I went to five thousand movies. Um, I don't know. What were we talking about? Oh yeah, well, how I haven't seen True Romance yeah. is the whole point. <laughs> the, the whole point of this is I have not seen True Romance. Yeah, well, the character is Floyd. Uh, so if you want just a crash course, look up Floyd True Romance, uh, and you'll get the basis for the for the Saul character. Originally, um. Uh, uh, Seth Rogen intended to play Saul. Oh yeah, which is kind of weird. Yeah, but it's kind of weird. Been the other way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of funny that like you know, um, in this movie you have like the two main characters, and and Dale, who's played by Seth Rogen, is kind of the straight man, as much as there can be a straight. Yeah, man. yeah. There's not like straight man doesn't exist in this movie, but yes. He is yeah, the straight exactly. man, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is hilarious. So apparently, um, apparently, yeah. So Rogan was gonna play Saul, um, and then I can't even imagine that. I know it's so weird. Like, yeah, like I would like to see it. Like, but I don't know how it would have been. Um, yeah. Okay, so wait. Um, I don't think we've actually mentioned this. We've mentioned Judd Apatow like a million times, but what is his actual? Like, oh, what is his? We this I don't movie? even. You know what? We didn't even mention the director in part one. I don't think we it, mentioned it's true, his we name. Did, but I don't think we did. David Gordon Green is the director. <laughs> Honestly, it's not that important to this film. As it's, like, yeah, a, it's not that important as in a, in the grand scheme. Like his what career is is kind of interesting in the sense because he his career started off. He did a bunch of dramatic films. Okay. And then he switched to a comedy, w- of which this is his best. Okay. Hmm. But yeah, kind of. But anyway, um, I, I, it, it doesn't seem like that he, you know, put 
that particularly interesting of a mark on this. I don't know. No, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, but it, maybe there's just so many other people who were came first creatively. Yeah, I mean, it, it just seems very clear that like Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are driving the bus here. Yeah, exactly. This is their movie. Um, yeah. But anyway, Judd Apatow is the producer. Producer, yeah. That's what we were getting at yeah. there. Um, and it was also produced through his production company. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So this was 2008. I guess, yeah, he was king of Hollywood at this point. <laughs> yeah. Judd Apatow. What did he do in 2008? Well, he did this movie. He produced it. Uh, well, let's... He wrote Don't Mess With The Zohan. <laughs> he wrote that? Oh, yikes. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, uh, we we got into it a bit last week, but uh, just, like, there's so much trash in the comedy landscape. Like, <laughs> we talked about yeah, it a bit when we talked about th- This was right after coming off the fucking comedy gold of Walk Hard. Yeah, it's true. Walk, like, ugh, fucking gold. I know. It is fucking gold. That's the thing. I guess that's how it works with comedy films, though, is you kind of have to, like, wade yeah. through trash. And we did talk about it a little bit on the Zoolander episode, and we don't want to rehash. So, but, so like, I want to be clear, though, that he only wrote it. He did not produce or direct it. Walk Hard. No, Don't Mess With The Zohan. Oh, Don't Mess With The Zohan. Yeah. Walk right. Hard, he produced, produced and, wrote. and wrote. Oh, I didn't. Oh, he wrote it. Yeah. Cool. So I, I, it seems like, I don't know. I don't know how many other people had their hands and don't mess with the zone on. So I mean, I, I don't that's know an Adam can, like, Sandler. Put that on him. An Adam Sandler Sorry? film, isn't it? Exactly, it is. No, I mean, I'm Have not going to. Have you gonna... seen it? No. <laughs> it's fucking bizarre. I've seen the trailer, and I think that's honestly yeah. as far as I need to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, <laughs> I think if we did an episode on that, you wouldn't be able to hear us talking over the, uh, uh, um, Worst accent theme. Oh god! Don't point that thing at me. We'll just be playing over and over and we'll over just be again. Playing that all over, all over the time. Yeah. Um. So anyway. anyway, back to um. Oh yeah. So this is a great, great little piece of trivia. Um. So this is 2008. Uh, that it mm-hmm. came out. 2007 would have been when they were making slash casting it, or maybe early 2008. Anyway. Allegedly, I heard that, or I read that Brian Cranston uh, auditioned for the role of Ted, um, the head drug dealer, but Judd Apatow didn't think he'd be convincing as a drug dealer. Hmm. Um, So, (laughs) little fun. But I mean, like, obviously, if if you dig into that at all, it's like, obviously, it's a totally different type of drug dealer. And actually, yeah, well, definitely. And actually, I don't know that Brian. Also, this is a comedy. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a fun. Anyway, I I think that um, that what's his name, Gary Cole, does a fantastic job as Ted. Yeah, he he's kind of, and he's perhaps the dumbest character in the movie. Yeah, he arguably (laughs) is the dumbest character, which is saying something. Yeah, I know. Fuck. (laughs) So why were we here? Uh, we're talking about Brian Cranston. Uh, yeah. Doesn't could never play a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, never. Um, those of you who don't know, he did in Breaking Bad. For those of you who <laughs> haven't heard of Breaking Bad, TV's Breaking Bad. 
Yeah, exactly. But yeah, when um, we talked about the budget a little bit, I found this really interesting because I was watching like an interview with Seth Rogen about it, uh, about this movie. Um, and so initially they wanted forty million dollars to make it. Um, yeah. Uh, which they could have got. They could have got if it wasn't a weed film. <laughs> right. Um, which makes sense totally. Um. Because, like, it's a Judd Apatow film. He's on top of his yeah. game. Come on. You know, they're going to give... Judd Apatow is going to get $40 million, right? Yeah. From Sony. Um, but, you know, I, I I do, like, get Sony's thinking on that. Oh, of course. It's just like, come on, you don't need fucking $40 million for your silly weed movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean that being said, they raked in $106 million off yeah, of this silly yeah, 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 weed yeah. movie. So, like... yeah. <laughs> So actually, you like they could have given them forty million. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, you know, in a sense, they're they've been vindicated because they only gave them twenty six million and they made that profit anyway. But imagine what kind of movie they could have done with forty million. It could have been three times. I don't know. As I'm not. I'm not sure that I watched this movie. And I'm like, oh man, if they had a little bit more money, <laughs> not a little like, bit more. Yeah. No. Like. 30% more, yeah. like, 40% more money, like... Like, a lot more money. They could have had... Yeah, but, they could no, have had like, I don't Willis. look at the movie and I'm like, you know, this needs more money. They could have had, they could have had like, two more stars. Right. Like, they could have... Maybe. They could have Bruce Willis... I don't know if that would have made it better, They though. could have had Christopher Walken. Oh, Christopher Walken <laughs> would have made it Christopher that. Walken play? They would have had to write a whole new character for Christopher Walken, yeah, I'm sure. Exactly. He could have been Ted, anyway. but... Um, but yeah, the the interesting thing was that because uh, it only says the budget is twenty six million, um, yeah. But in this interview, Seth Rogen says that they also spent that much on marketing. Um, okay. And he said like that was normal, which I yeah I I like knew that they spent a lot on marketing and it often wasn't list listed in. The... I have no fucking clue how marketing works. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have there you have it. Yeah. There's that conversation. <laughs> I have no idea how marketing works. <laughs> it's true. I don't either. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, it seems to cost a lot of money. They, yeah, so they spent about $26 million on marketing, which included yeah. uh, um, a billboard on Sunset Boulevard that actively smoked. <laughs> <laughs> like it was putting smoke out into the air. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, click that link right there. Okay, let's see this. It actively, so it's a, for those of you who, oh God. who aren't Jake, it's um, it's it, it's the film poster which had like the the two two leads um, looking really stoned and then a pineapple in between them. Yeah. And then this billboard on Sunset Boulevard, the pineapple just billows smoke out of the top. I mean, if I saw that, I would probably call the fire department. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It looks like it could be accidentally on fire. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, that's the thing. Is like when I so so that's the, the Jake gave me, like that's the thing. People called the fire department. Too many people called the fire department, so they had to take it down. But that's the thing. Is like why wouldn't I guess? I guess they couldn't maybe. But why wouldn't they make it like be a joint? You know, that's yeah. That would be more obvious. Cause like it's just a pineapple. The pineapple is like smoke is billowing from the pineapple. Yeah, like, like it looks like the building thing. that the billboard's on is ablaze. 
I know, it really does. I don't know. Maybe the reason they didn't want to do it is because it was it it would be like considered obscene. I guess, but this is we're talking. This is Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, I don't <laughs> this know. This is like if anywhere you could. Have, I mean, I guess it was two thousand eight. Is a yeah, bit more know. dicey. There, they were, was it legal then? I think they had medical. They decriminalized um, it. Yeah, I think it was medical. Actually, they say in the movie yeah. that it's decriminalized, but then like they get arrested anyway because they were selling it to minors. Which exactly. Is so yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> that scene is hilarious. Yeah. Basically, like this movie came from. I said last episode. Uh, the true romance character mixed with what if that guy. Uh, got dragged off of the couch and into an action movie. Mm, I think that was this episode. Oh, did I say that this episode? Yeah. You said that, like, literally, like, ten minutes ago. No, well, I mentioned true romance, but I didn't mention the dragged off oh, of okay. it. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, no, you didn't. But you didn't mention that last episode either. Didn't I? Oh, no, <laughs> you, you know what no, it was? You, you know what it was? It was, I was going to say, um, uh, uh... Them being out, sitting on the couch, being like, "What if someone tried to kill us right now?" Yeah. So like, what if they tracked us through the fucking weed, man? <laughs> Dude, what if, what if what? they knew it was Pineapple Express? And since I'm the only guy that has Pineapple Express, <laughs> <laughs> you're the only, you're I'm the only one you sold it to. Like, <laughs> so we're like the only two guys that have it. Only two guys in the city, man. <laughs> That dude, that part was so on the nose. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, we understand that this is a bit of a stretch, but just go with it. Exactly. Like, that is... <laughs> there are some parts in this movie where it it, it it really tests the suspension of disbelief. Yeah, well... Well, I, I don't know. Like, the, the whole bit with, um, with Red, I was just thinking, like, dude, get this fucking dude to a hospital. Yeah, no... Like, why are you still here? He was supposed to die, actually, speaking of it. Yeah. The first the first time he gets killed, which is the, I believe, when Matheson shoots him. Right, but then they got to bring him back because he's got to fucking kill... Does he kill Ted? Who's, no, he kills... What's his name? Matheson. The, uh, Matheson, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but originally in the script he, he he that was the end of it Matheson just kills him but they thought Danny McBride right. was funny so they they wrote yeah, it back in pretty funny. <laughs> they wrote it back in yeah I was gonna talk about this I'll talk about it now Danny McBride is like he is funny but he's like he's a very 2008 sort of funny you know what I mean yeah Eastbound and Down I think was a little bit different and I think there were, that, that had more going on but like his mm-hmm. His brand of comedy in film, like what was the last film you saw him in? Oh, I don't even fucking know. Like probably a film from like ten years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Like I don't think his brand of comedy would like he's kind of funny right. in context as like a unhinged person. Mm-hmm. But like that kind of unhinged is starting to become a bit scary and like, you know, like, right. And it's just not funny anymore. Not scary might be the wrong word. It's not that it's scary. It's just that it's not funny. Unsettling. Yeah. It's just not yeah. funny. And that might be reading too much into it, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can, I can quite pin that down, but it's a thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Anyway, what were we talking about? We're talking about the production now. Yeah. What I assembled here in my notes for the production are 75% um, from the mouth of Seth Rogen. Right. So it must be true. It must be true, yes. He, on the 10-year anniversary of Pineapple Express, he released a bunch of awesome information. So we're going to go through that now. (laughs) Awesome. So this first fact, I thought, you want to go ahead and and just go with it because I had some thoughts about this. Yeah, so so Seth Rogen um, and Evan Goldberg rolled 100 cross joints uh, required for filming that scene because nobody else knew how to roll a cross joint. Uh, so they had to actually do it. And they needed 100 of them, apparently, to film that scene. Here's why I, why I asked earlier whether or not weed was legal when they were filming it in California, in California, because this was filmed in California. It's because I seriously doubt they needed a hundred cross joints. <laughs> <laughs> probably needed. You're probably. I think right. they maybe needed ten cross joints to do that scene. You're probably right. Here's what I'm. Here's what I think is this is what happened. Because I mean, like, if they are actually lighting it, like, obviously they have to, you know. They have to like use the whole cross joint for the take. Yeah, you can't reuse it in the next take. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think I don't think it would take you that. I don't think it would take you a hundred takes. But also, first of all, that I, short period where they burn the cross joint. Yeah, of course, no. But first of all, I don't think they're using real marijuana. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would make sense because like. If you're doing a take where you actually have to smoke the the weed, yeah, exactly. First of all, if you do that. a bunch of takes, you're just gonna get way too fucking high. Exactly, you're you can't just like smoke all fucking day. Well, here's what I was thinking. I was I'm thinking like they rolled a hundred cross joints that they smoked over the course of the filming of the movie, just casually. Yeah, that's probably. <laughs> I think that that's and then they just said, oh, you know, we did it for that one scene, right? Yeah. Well, Seth Rogen was saying that um, in that interview that I watched, like during, I think he's he 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 is very open about his his weed usage, and he like he smokes all the time, basically, and it's yeah. Part of well, his... uh, did you see the uh, the the fucking uh, PSA he did about you know COVID nineteen? <laughs> no, I didn't. He was just saying like, yeah, don't go out, just stay home and smoke weed. <laughs> oh, I did hear about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, in the uh, just a little a little aside in the um, comedians and cars getting coffee episode that he's in, um, uh, Jerry Seinfeld goes to his and Evan Goldberg's office, um, just yeah. to pick him up, um, and just there's like there's uh their their desk is like two. It's a big desk with two computers facing each other, with a bong. Oh, so they the, both work like right up against each other. Yeah, it's just a room with computers facing each other, with a huge bong in the middle of a table. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't talk about it at all. But that's just it's just yeah, in the I shot. Mean, it's obviously. <laughs> I just thought that was funny, but that's he, pretty funny. Yeah. He said in the interview um, that he. He didn't like. He doesn't like to smoke um, on set because it makes him paranoid 
because there's so many people. I can, uh, yeah, people I can around. understand that. Of course, I understand that. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, especially because this whole fucking movie is just like a fucking paranoid weed. Like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, it, it, it's uh, yeah, it's their paranoid imagination. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Although it's real in the movie. Yeah, it's real. Anyway, the, the whole point is I, I I don't doubt that they rolled 100 cross joints. But you don't you I doubt, doubt that they needed necessary. 100 cross joints. <laughs> you, you have a, a, a suspicion that some of those may have been authentic cross joints that got... <laughs> I think some of those may have been authentic cross joints. I think you might be correct about that. <laughs> yeah. So... The next fact is, if you recall, uh, when Saul, what's the guy's name who he he doesn't like the li- lingerer man, fucking lingerer. Yeah. Oh Jesus, what's his name? Tom um, or something. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. The weed. He. I thought you would like this fact. Um, yeah. The the lower grade weed that's not the Pineapple Express that he sells him is called Snickle Fritz. Yeah. And they got. They got the name Snicklefritz because that's the uh, how that's what the practical uh, effect supervisor would call his second in command when when he was pissing him off. Oh yeah, <laughs> hey Snicklefritz, hey, Snicklefritz, what are you fucking doing? What are you doing? Yeah, that's that's funny. Uh, I mean, Snicklefritz also sounds like a shitty. Weed. It is actually like perfect. It's like kind of on him on a peak somehow. I guess that's not the right word yeah. for that at all, but. It does sound right. Right, yeah. Why is that? What is the... There must be some sort of, like... It's melodic. Yeah, but there's there's got to be some sort of reason. Like, what are we associating here? I don't Snickle, know. Is there, like, another word? I'm, not, I'm just visualizing what it looks like. Yeah, me too. But there's got to be a reason for why <laughs> we're visualizing it. It's, like, stemmy and, like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, just... It's, like, kind of dark. Yeah, like... leafy... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not not the kind of stuff you want. So apparently there was some uh health and safety things that were not <laughs> fully looked after, right? Yeah, there's a lot of injury on this film. They did most pretty much all their own stunts, I think. Um right. which maybe was a bad idea because Yeah, I mean it it was super convincing. Yeah, well, that's that initial fight scene, kind of like when it turns into an action film, um, with like uh, you talking about the scene, the fight scene between Red and uh, and Dale. Yeah, Red, Dale, and uh, Saul. It's mostly right. Red I mean, Saul and Dale. Doesn't really do much of it, but yeah, it's Red. He's Dale, in it a bit honestly. at the beginning. He gets his he gets his yeah. balls crushed, I guess. Um, yeah, that is such a brutal fight scene. Like it's. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I mean, it probably looks so brutal because, as we found out, it was. Yeah. Um. So there were there were two injuries. Yeah, like. Uh. Right. Yeah, the first one. To I, two different actors. <laughs> yeah, for one scene, one fight scene. You'd think that'd be a red flag. Um. Yeah. It's good. You think? I don't know. They must not be doing something right. Well, I mean, like, because usually, like, Hollywood's pretty fucking on the ball about that. Yeah, it's. Well, I think, because Seth Rogen mentioned in an interview that one of the later fight scenes was improvised, 
Um, oh. And I've never heard of that before. Improvising a fight scene? Yeah, with I, I I think that maybe makes sense with, like, trained, like, fucking stunt people. Yeah. But, I, but not with, with fucking Seth Rogen and Danny <laughs> McBride. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So maybe I'm not positive that he wasn't talking about this fight scene when he said that so i'm not positive but there may have been some improvisation that happened right but yeah no i do not trust like a fucking you know talented actor maybe but you know not somebody who's trained in fucking stage combat no to improvise a fight scene (laughs) so so (laughs) seth rogan broke one of his fingers um I don't know how, um, right? But rewatch it. It's, yeah, you might be able to see. Might it. be able to see. Was it. the take used? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, was it was it like uh, fucking Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible breaking his leg or whatever? Well, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they did use it. Um, yeah. Because well, the I think the shot where they um, hit Danny McBride with the bong. Because that like cracked his head open apparently, like that actually. Okay, define open. I can't because that's all I said. Oh, okay, so that's the that's the term they so, use. Cracked his head open. So uh, what? Because he what didn't seem very dramatic about it when he was talking about it. I choose. I uh, not choose. I imagine that um, it wasn't that bad. Like it was like it should have just not hurt him at all, and it like. He got a cut on the back of his head from. Okay, were they using an actual bong? No, there's no way. There's no like, way. Like generally, they use like some fucking rubber thing, like for this, or like fake glass. They have like a fake glass for that sort of thing, right? Ex- oh yeah, yeah, no, the sugar glass. Sugar glass, yeah. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> so like that must have been, like, like maybe like you're just not supposed to because it was like a beaker. You know, like the weight w- actually still did some damage, even though it was sugar glass. He was still like know, swinging yeah. like a heavy thing at yeah. his head because he hit him pretty yes. fucking hard. He did hit him pretty hard, but like, I don't know. I like think about it. I suspect something was not being properly handled. Yeah. No, it seems that way <laughs> in this fight scene. It seems like whoever was in charge of... um. Yeah, or there wasn't anybody in charge. Yeah, Judd Apatow was in charge. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, you know, it's probably on him to, like, make sure that somebody's in charge. It it literally is on him. He's a producer. It's his job to make sure somebody's there to do that. Well, I mean, it it might be fucking um, the director's job. I don't know. I suppose that's true, but if the director fails to do that, it's his job, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, speaking of, uh, like injuries that are on, like, that make it into the final cut, that's not the only one. (laughs) Oh yeah? So I guess, like, I guess I misspoke a bit. The moment it becomes an action movie is not that fight scene. It's the fight scene with the cell phones. (laughs) The fights. (laughs) So when they break the cell phones. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that might be a bit of a stretch, but okay. Yeah, it might be a bit of a stretch, but 
Um, that when uh, <laughs> that is so brutal when uh, Dale trips and hits his face on the rock. Oh, oh God. God. Oof. But then, yeah, and then Saul runs into the tree. Apparently, um, there was actually like an exposed screw um, that caused some damage was there. It the tree? Well, because they had, I think they had like some like pads screwed into the tree to like. Oh. Or like. To, so, so by trying to put some cushioning force on him to not hurt him, they ended up hurting him way more. It seems that way, yeah. And he had to get a few <laughs> stitches, apparently. Um, yeah. And Seth Rogen says that's why Saul is wearing a headband is because he had a head injury. <laughs> the jokes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh definitely the um, fucking actors' union should probably be looking into this movie. Seriously, at this point, it's like yeah, whoever was in charge of stunts did a horrible, horrible job. I mean, they did a horrible job at keeping it safe, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Who... I mean, everything looked fine, but, I mean, obviously, I guess... I feel like most of your job as doing handling stunts is to make sure that you do it in a way that nobody gets hurt. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, So, another... So, we're going to get political here for a moment. Oh, I don't think we got too political. We'll just mention something that... Tangentially, uh, <laughs> <life> politics. <laughs> so, several times throughout this movie, uh, Red mentions his wife. Yeah. That's in jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and in his house, you can see they, they put a picture of him and his wife. Yeah. Who is played by, uh, in that photo is played by adult film actress Stormy Daniels. Well, I don't know. Like the thing is, I I don't I don't know if if if, if Stormy Daniels would 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 in, would like if we uh, associated her just existence with fucking politics, specifically DT. There. <laughs> no, that's you're totally right. That's an excellent point. It isn't, but it is still vaguely topical. <laughs> Vaguely, yeah. Uh, but no, you're right. It isn't fair to equate her entire existence, but that is the only way that... Yeah, I mean, the only reason why we know who she is. Exactly. Because... Exactly. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not going to lie to you here. I don't know her work. Yeah. Um... I'm not familiar <laughs> with it. She almost ran for the Senate in Louisiana in 2010. Oh, really? Really? Oh. Interesting. Yeah. So somehow suspect that that would have been a uh, I mean, yeah, futile bid. But perhaps, okay. perhaps, but she had... So there you go. So there is a good reason to connect her what? politically. Oh, beyond consider running for Senate. Yeah. In 2009, <laughs> a recruitment effort led her to consider challenging incumbent David Vitter for the 2010... Senate election. Okay, so we can move on now. She she ultimately decided not to. No, she didn't, but she considered it. It was considered. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, next fun fact from Seth Rogen um, (laughs) is that... uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah, so Red kills Matheson by crushing him with his car. 
by driving it through the side of the barn. Uh, and yes. Initially, Red killed Matheson with a Ford Fiesta, um, but Ford doesn't allow their vehicles to appear in on-screen murders. <laughs> that is a fair position, I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a fine take to have. Yeah. But... <laughs> So they had to change it to a Daewoo Lanos, right? Which Seth Rogen said he. I think that's funnier. That's what Seth Rogen said. Yeah, it was ultimately funnier. <laughs> totally. Uh, Should they have the right though to? What? Oh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know. Is that if not it's censorship? Like... No, I mean, because, I mean, I, I don't know if you need me to. <laughs> Like recite to you what the legal definition of censorship is, but, <laughs> but that, that's yeah. not it. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, what what am I saying? It 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 it's probably not exactly that. Um, because it's like yeah, you can. Like they they probably couldn't have just they probably couldn't use like the name they probably couldn't call it a Ford Fiesta. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's like. Because they they call it a Daewoo, like on screen. Because because obviously Ford Fiesta is a trademark, right? Yeah. And so Ford obviously has. Anyway, the whole point is like, um, I don't think that using a car to murder somebody on screen is necessarily fair use. <laughs> fair point. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Like, cause like in this in this, uh, Ford could make the uh, make the case. I think that it's damaging to their brand. I suppose I they, they could. A... I mean, it would yeah. be a weak case. Arguably, yeah. Killing but I mean, like, it's drug dealers. It's murdering drug dealers. It's probably a... not a. Uh, it's probably not anything that uh, you know Seth Rogen would want to deal with. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if uh, I don't know anything about Daewoo. Uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting. They're actually uh, well, I mean, they're obviously not that common over here, but they're actually a much bigger company. They just don't they don't just make cars. Right, they do other things. Yeah, yeah, they're a very large company. But cl- clearly, they felt okay. Uh, being associated as a murder, yeah. a tool of murder. <laughs> I don't know. I guess you know they're they they didn't give enough shits. I don't think <laughs> they they saw it as the as the actual the brand boosting that it was. Exactly because you know I don't think Ford needs the uh, needs the publicity. No, exactly. But I mean, like, when was the last time you saw a Daewoo out on the road? Exactly. Like, yeah, I literally can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um... <laughs> So, so I guess, I guess we can, we can move on from this section. Yeah. Oh, well, there's the one more fact here with the, the diner scene, uh, is that, that the whole thing is completely improvised and, you know, that kind of shows. It it very much shows. (laughs) Which gives this movie. It's like, cause the scene doesn't seem to know when to end. That's the, the movie has such a meandering end. And it's because yeah. of this. And I wonder if, like, well, it clearly was on purpose that they left it in. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it wasn't in the script, the diner scene. <laughs> I mean, it seems kind of weird. Like, it seems kind of weird with the... Because the whole 
thing. It's like it's about you know those two becoming or realizing that they're really good friends, right? Yeah. And then they throw in this third guy near the end, and he just seems kind of like a third wheel. It seems kind of weird. Well, it is kind of weird. Like it is true. It it does go off the rails at the end there. <laughs> oh, you don't say. <laughs> 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 yeah, it goes a bit off the rails at the end there. It goes off the rails before that. Well, just like the last half hour of the movie is fully on no rails. Yeah, rails disappear pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, he's kind of just forced in, I think, because they liked Danny McBride. Yeah, they liked Danny McBride, so they always they and they decided that it. his presence in. The in the second half of the movie was worth the effect that his presence had on the story because it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't make as much sense, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It makes no sense, but it it, it from a storytelling yeah. <laughs> standpoint, he should not have been there. No, no, definitely not. If this was a book in in it, it undermines the point a little bit exactly in pineapple express express pineapple express Express, the novelization oh god is that is that a real thing probably but if not you should write it and you can make the necessary alterations oh god i have no need to write that (laughs) (laughs) so we've got we're gonna we're trying out a new segment here yeah you know, it might be super boring, but we'll find out. Well, you'll let us know. It'll be no. There's no way it could be. Um, so, what are we gonna call it? Do you have a name for it picked out? I, I don't. I mean, I was thinking it's like, how did they shoot it, or how did they? I don't know. How how did they shoot it? How did they shoot how it? How did they shoot okay, it? Okay, so I was watching the movie, and. Sort of uh, picking up where we left off when we were talking about Knives Out. Uh, yeah, I have so a question for you. It's themed from our debate in Knives Out. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't really that much of a debate, but anyway. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> was, of course. So uh, I, I was looking at the movie while I was watching it, and I was trying to decide. Do you think they shot this on film, or do you think it was shot digitally, Keaton? What do you think? I think I think I think this was digital for okay. because the reason that I think that is not because of how it looked at all um because yeah. actually there were parts of it that I thought might have even looked a bit film like but uh you know we had that conversation <laughs> right. um but just in terms of who made it and when I'm going to go with digital Okay. Well, it was shot on film, Keaton. No, what? So, okay, so here's the thing. I think that, I think a lot of people have misconceptions about when the changeover to digital happened. Okay. Uh, Because it was a lot more recent than I think a lot of people really understand. After 2008. Basically, like, up until, like, 2010, most movies were shot on film. Really? I thought, yeah, I'm I'm among the masses that thought not. Yeah, like, most people had cameras on their phones before movies started shooting 
on majority on digital. That's so weird. <laughs> and well, I mean, the reason for that is mainly just because, like, you know, film has just so much information, so it didn't really become practical. Yeah. To shoot like a Hollywood movie on digital until like 4K cameras came. Well, it kind of just seems to me that like while the technology exists just converting it is while that's easier and while you're getting a good product out of that do that for as long as possible i guess yeah and it's also like given how costly films are it's like the budgetary like cost of the film wasn't that big of a portion of it right right so yes this movie this silly weed movie <laughs> would shot on film. That's amazing. Specifically, um, it was shot on uh, 35mm Super 35 format. Super 35. Which is... Yeah, so, okay, so what that... I should probably explain what that means. Yeah. Uh, basically, um, so this movie's widescreen, right? Yeah. Which is actually a little bit unusual for a comedy very unusual for a comedy isn't it because it's 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 a widescreen 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio which is you know uh pretty wide for a comedy normally or historically the way that you would get a widescreen aspect ratio like that is you would use anamorphic lenses okay right which yeah is right a, a special lens that it compresses the image down so that it, it fits on the same piece of film and then is widened back out. Normally, that's the way you would do widescreen. Right. Widescreen, a, a two, two, three, five to one widescreen. Right. But uh, this was done on what's called Super 35, uh, which is essentially, it's a method of increasing the space you get on the, uh, on the 35 millimeter film by getting rid of the soundtrack. And then this was done on what's called three perf, where essentially they just crop the image and put more frames on the same length of film. It's okay, sorry, say that one more time. They crop the uh, the. So, so it, they just crop the top and bottom off. Right. But they also put the films the the frames on the film closer together, so you get more, uh, more, you get higher... more efficient use of your film. Right. That's interesting. Um. So. Um. Now this this was done with what's called a digital intermediate. It, okay. And what it, So that, that what that means is that the um that they shot on Super 35, then they scanned it into the computer. Right. And then what they did all their editing and color grading and stuff. That would be an interesting machine. I'd like to see that machine in action, the film scanning a machine. machine. Is that what it's called? It's called a telecine machine. Telecine? Yes. Interesting. What is, I'm going to have to look uh, that up. It looks a lot like a tape recorder, actually. That's kind of what I'm imagining, actually. Like, cause yeah. Because it's, cool, it's got to, like... Essentially what it is, is it's a fancy project... It's it's essentially a camera pointing at a projector. <laughs> right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. It's a bit more complicated than that, but that's essentially yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah, um, so they, they, yeah. So they scanned it into the computer... They did all their edits and color grading, and then they put it back out onto film. Sick. For projection and theater or whatever. And I actually, I, I think that it was like, 
don't know. It was pretty interesting to me because like, uh, and I think uh, Seth Rogen had a good quote on this about like, um, what did he say? But like, anyway, I'd, like this movie was shot like better than I would have expected it to have been done. Yeah, yeah. Let's who is like, the um. The cinematographer was a guy named Tim Orr. Yeah, and I looked briefly into him. It looks like he did a lot of work with the director of this film. Like, he did all his yes, early he... films. Yeah. Um, but not... Most of which I have not exactly, seen. Exactly, me too. So I, I can't yeah, really speak uh, to him, but... It's like... But anyway, like, um, what was it? Sorry. What, did it, what was it that Seth Rogen said? So he said... Even people who hate the movie admit that it shot well. Yeah. And yeah, no, like I, I completely agree. I mean, I don't hate the movie. I, like, no, it's all right. Um, it's that, um, like, yeah, the lighting is like very dramatic and everything. It, it looks sort of different than your average comedy. It just, it looks, yeah, it looks better. It looks, yeah. Um, more dramatic i don't know it just looks it, it, exactly like i mean a lot of that comes down to the lighting and the the wide aspect ratio yeah exactly exactly and just like the cinematography is good it is nice yeah yeah so there's actually a good section on imdb that that gives you a lot of this information i don't know how accurate it is right yeah but, imdb um, is not good at i think i should invest in imdb pro maybe because they might give you more information on their sources but they're really bad at telling yeah. you about their sources i mean specifically they seem to even list like the specific film stock that they used that's awesome but um i do notice that they don't list a black and white film here though which is interesting because the intro is in black and white mm. so it's probably digital so they use two film stocks that i notice here as kodak vision 2 100t and uh, Vision 2 500T, so that they have a low ISO and a high ISO film. The T is because it's in indoor film. Right. Like, it's for indoor lighting, tungsten lighting. Tungsten ballast is what I meant to say. <laughs> so it seems to me that, uh, but they would have, they would have sh- shot, they would have, if they were, they would have shot in black and white is what I'm trying to say. It seems to me that they would have shot in black and white as opposed to digitally alter it because the scene it seems like it was written to be in black and white. Yeah, I know. But the thing is, is also like from the point of view of the, you know, you got to buy film, right? Yeah, right. Do you really want to buy a different kind of film? Right. Or do you want to just Instead like of just... slide a fader over and post? <laughs> Exactly. It's like, you know, we get this film in bulk. We get a bulk deal here. It's like, if we want to buy a different kind of film, that's going to cost more. Yeah, it's true. Really, it just comes down to fucking, it's stupid to do that when you could just slide the those fucking... <laughs> but I mean, even if you were whatever. doing it on film, 100% on film, it might even make sense to just, like, do it on film like okay so what you can do is you can actually make you can take the color film and develop it as black and white right, as well right yeah right you can i'm not sure how that works but it makes sense it's actually easier than developing it as color but it again makes sense yeah if because it feels like color is just one more it's one more step right 
This is what it feels like. I know that's yeah, not scientifically Yeah, I mean, I've never actually accurate. developed color film. It just seems too hard. Right. So I haven't tried, but... Fair enough. You know, one day I might do it. One day. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so next time you're looking at this movie, I'm going to ask you... I'm going to ask you, was it shot on film or digital next time we do a movie? Yes. So... And then I'm also going to ask you... Um, was it anamorphic or non-anamorphic, and that might be harder. That'll be way harder, but I'm gonna try and get. There is a way. I'm to gonna tell. get good at it just by looking at it. I will get. I will learn. I'm gonna get uh, in practice. Yeah, <laughs> through trial and error. I'm uh, sure. yeah. So uh, also, so if anybody else is wondering, like, how can you tell if a film is shot on? film or digital is that uh, at the end of the credits usually on the very bottom of the credits yeah it'll say like you know shot with uh, you know well it'll say for example in this movie we shot with Panavision cameras and lenses yeah I think but also it said Kodak motion picture film I think Panavision is one people will definitely recognize seeing at the end of yeah it's at the bottom it's at the end of a lot of movies yeah so yeah, usually uh, you'll see. Well, nowadays you only see Kodak, but back in the day you'll see Kodak or you see Fuji. Why? Why will you only see Kodak now? Because like, because Fuji... Fuji doesn't make motion picture film anymore. So there's only one. They have a monopoly on motion picture film. Uh, they have a monopoly on motion picture film for Hollywood. Ah, okay. What about Bollywood? Um, because, sorry, I I don't know. Does Bollywood still shoot on film? Uh huh. Probably some people do. Anyway, there are uh, there are a couple other manufacturers that do make motion picture film, but not to the same scale that Kodak does. Right. And in fact, Hollywood and Kodak have a deal, basically, to keep Kodak alive. That's what I was just about to bring up. Like that must be what's keeping them alive. <laughs> yeah, essentially, um, a bunch of like directors who like to shoot on film got together and were like, "Okay, Kodak." You're not going out of... You are going to keep making film. If you keep making film, we will keep shooting on it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that would be people like, you know, um, fucking Chris Nolan and uh, um, Quentin Tarantino. Your favorite people. What? Well, Chris Nolan's your favorite. I, I, don't, I don't think I dislike Quentin Tarantino. No, I mean, I mean that's a whole other fucking <laughs> conversation. <laughs> what how you how do you feel about quentin tarantino is such a heavy question yeah i feel like yeah maybe when we maybe when we do a different movie we'll do a quentin tarantino movie um yeah anyway anyway yeah pulling it that that i think that's all i have to say about that yeah and that's all i have to say about that <laughs> so i think our final section about this movie before we get into our own final thoughts um is this uh we ended our last episode and we began this episode with with a pretty fun song a pretty good piece of music do you want to talk about that piece of music a little bit about huey lewis and the news huey fucking lewis and the goddamn news yeah i mean basically i I guess uh, Seth Rogen was just looking for somebody to write a song to go with this movie. 
and somehow he came upon Huey Lewis, yeah. which is like interesting because I never never realized Huey Lewis was such a huge fucking uh, blazer. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I laugh every time I hear Huey Lewis say "chronic." Yeah, in that song, or chill it's so funny to me. Just, Sorry, or chill. Just every lyric in that song. That's a hilarious song. It's a weird song. It's it's not good, but it's not. No, it's fantastic. I mean, it is fantastic. Like the music is great. The lyrics are like. I was. I was. Let's just put it this way. I was underwhelmed with the quality of the lyrics. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's and it's it, it's kind of based like on what happens in the movie, I guess. Very loosely, like yeah. The fa- well, I mean, most songs. Are, yeah, I guess it's like, like high people and something bad happens. That's what. That's the whole fucking movie. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good point. So also we had a we had a score. Oh yeah. Um and so that I act, I actually thought that this stood out to me while I was watching the movie was uh the um the sort of, you know, fucking aggressive synth bits that were oh, dispersed yeah. throughout the movie. Yeah. I had to actually go back. Uh, I didn't notice that as well as much as you did, but I went back. Yeah. Awesome. It's like it's everywhere. Yeah, it's all. It's all so th- those were all done by a guy named Graham Ravel. I don't know if I'm pronouncing um, that correctly. I, Revel, Ravel. Yeah, I don't know. You're asking. Or even guy. Graham, or Graham. It's yeah, it's spelled the weird way, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's that's Graham. Anyway, uh, so he is a film composer, but he also fronted the industrial slash electronic band SPK from 1978 to 1979. I've never heard that band, but they sound very I've never heard of them industrial either, but that's sound they sound pretty pioneering. Like yeah, they, uh, that's that's uh if you've got just letters in your name in the nineteen yeah. eighties. That's hardcore. That's hardcore, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I think that that kind of lineage definitely feeds into this uh the kind of music you'll hear in the soundtrack yeah like like let me play play you a sample here yeah <laughs> so this is during the car chase oh that is crazy Yeah, I'm just I'm just imagining like fucking some really stoned fucking dude listening to him <laughs> being really fucking paranoid. Well, speaking of Quentin Tarantino, looks like Graham Ravel did uh From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, did he? Yeah, well I'm look I'm looking at his uh his Yeah, he's done a career, lot. And yeah, well he's done a lot of action movies. Like his Street Fighter, uh Tomb Raider, two thousand one yeah. Tomb Raider, Daredevil two thousand three. Sin City. Yeah. He did the Riddick franchise. So, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Cool. 
I mean, cer- cer- certainly fits a sort of action vibe. Yeah, and that yeah, that synth like it's awesome. So also also in the soundtrack we have you know uh, Eddie Grant Electric Avenue, which starts the movie off. Yeah, yeah. That I you really know, got um, really into that song after <laughs> this. I like first saw this movie. <laughs> Yeah, we have uh, stoner classics, Cypress Hills, Dr. Green Thumb. <laughs> oh, that band. <laughs> yeah, I know. We got a couple other things. Uh, some fucking Peter Tosh, uh, you know. Classic. Shit like yeah. that. So also another song that is not in this movie, but is associated with this movie. Yeah. And I remember hearing a lot. Back around the time this movie was made, yeah, exactly. <laughs> was was Paper Planes by M.I.A. Yeah, yeah. There's a, is a weird association. I, fuck, I, I don't have that on the soundboard. Uh, I don't know. Do we really need to play? No, it? we don't need to play it. Everyone knows what it. You know the song. Dun, 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 I mean, because it's dun, not dun, on the soundtrack. Because I got the soundtrack and it's not on exactly. it. Exactly, it's not on the soundtrack. It was in it. It's not part of the soundtrack. It was in a trailer for the film. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, M.I.A. said about it. She was like. Yeah, you know, like, because it, it, it was just the trailer. I didn't, I was just like, yeah, sure, whatever, you can use it. But had it been in the film, I probably would have wanted to, like, look at the film a bit more. <laughs> oh, she she didn't even. <laughs> so I think yeah, she might have been. Fair a, enough. She, she didn't necessarily love the association. <laughs> right, yeah. But. <laughs> but she, she, yeah, yeah. she that, like, that wasn't to say that she necessarily didn't like it. That's just. Yeah, I mean, I, funny. I, I, you know, might seem a bit unfair, but I think that's kind of on her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you signed off on it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, whatever. Yeah, uh, it's not like I like. I think that wasn't that movie more associated with like Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, wasn't that in the song in that movie? Am I totally making that? I up? don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know actually. Anyway, I don't know. They both came out around the same time, and I remember hearing this song a lot. Yeah, I think it was in Slumdog Millionaire. I think it was nominated right, for an Oscar. Uh, no, well, not this song. Okay, so but it did. Um, it earned a Grammy nomination. Paper plane, Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, yeah, it was in there. It was in it. Okay. Yeah, it was in there. Right. Okay. There you there you have it, folks. The connection between um Slumdog Millionaire and uh Pineapple, Pineapple Express, Express is closer than you thought. Did they come out in the same year? Yeah, I think they did. Two thousand eight. I think two thousand eight. They both came out in two thousand eight. That's so weird. Yeah. That's funny. Classics. A couple of two thousand eight <laughs> classics of the yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I guess we've kind of exhausted our. Uh, we've exhausted everything there is to say about this movie. Yeah, and then some. Or almost everything. Almost everything. Uh, we've reached our final thoughts portion of the episode. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it's more of a summing up in this episode, I think. Yeah, because I mean, I I think we already kind of gave our thoughts on this movie. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot. Like, it was all right. Yeah, there's not a lot to dig into. I laughed. Yeah. Um. Like, I would say, I la- especially, like, I mean, I've seen this movie too many times at this point. Um, 
but like I think most of the times I've seen this movie it's been with yeah, you <laughs> yeah exactly that's too many times um, and it came out right as I was going into my you know right as I started smoking weed basically and I was like a young teenager so it was like perfect I mean it came out a little bit before a that a little bit before yeah. that it's true yeah. but the point is is it was there when I started so <laughs> yeah and it I've seen it too many times. Sorry, no, you you weren't smoking any weed. It was illegal, right? Oh, yeah, totally illegal. Yeah, I didn't smoke yeah, weed totally until twenty eighteen. So you weren't doing that, exactly. Yeah. Um, you, you didn't smoke weed until Justin legalized. Until it. Justin said I could. Um, yeah, exactly. Yes, thank you, Justin. Um, but yeah, like I was cackling for the first half of the movie. I think like there's a lot of hilarious little things in there. The second half of the movie, I think it kind of loses me just in terms of like. Uh, as I said, I've seen it so many times, so I'm a bit desensitized to the, like the action. <laughs> yeah, but, like it is fun, but yeah, it's not a great film. Take it or leave it. At the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm pretty much with you there. Um, I don't know, like uh, it, it definitely goes really off the rails near the end. Yeah, like the whole scene in the bunker. Yeah, it's. It's a bit much. <laughs> it's a bit much of, like, the fight. Oh, I completely even forgot, like, fucking Dale got his ear bitten off or whatever. Oh, he gets his ear shot off, and then... No, he gets his ear shot off, and then it gets bitten. Yeah, exactly, and then Ted bites his shot-off ear. Ear. <laughs> like, the yeah. scene where... Like, honestly... Oh, I do want to say, that the ear makeup was very convincing to me. It was me. very good, yeah. That, that was very good. Yeah. Um, no schnickle... Very uh, good there. Um... Um, yeah, exactly. That yeah, that's what it was. It, well, it was just like you can really tell. I think at a certain point that the dialogue just like goes so downhill in terms of just like <laughs> having any value. Because um, mm-hmm. I mean, Seth Rogen's dialogue during action sequences is not good. Like he's not a good action actor no. just because he to like it's not his thing. But it's fair to like it. He just says what's happening. Yeah. Like, he's like, car, trees, squirrel. Like, he just says things in front of him. I mean, to a certain extent, that's on the writing, which is also him. Which is also him, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the writing just really falls apart. And I think it's clear that it's just yeah. like, they're just wrapping up the story. The writing was not important there. It's like, but you, mm-hmm. you kind of want a bit more from the second half of this movie. Yeah, maybe. But that's a if you if you build up enough effort to want anything from it. Yeah, I don't know. Like the one thing I one thing I kind of think like that. Uh, I don't know. I think the movie kind of leans like really heavily into sort of like buddy comedy cliches to a certain extent. How do you how do you mean? I mean the whole like arc of the movie is very yeah right much. Like, you know, two guys who, like, aren't, like, you know, a little bit of friction at first, and then they get to know each other, and then, oh, you know, they, uh, fucking, um, then they have a falling out, and then they... Yeah, it follows follows the exact arc, yeah. It follows the exact, like, pattern. Yeah. It's it's a bit formulaic in that sense. Extremely unoriginal. Yeah. In that sense. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's also some, like, kind of weird things in the movie. Like, we didn't even mention his, like, fucking teenage girlfriend. 
which is like really weird. Yeah, I mean, he was supposed to yeah. be a, 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 a shithead. Like, he's supposed to be gross, I think. Yeah, but that's not the way that, like, he. that's not the way he plays him. I know, it doesn't really come across. It, it doesn't... Because, like, Seth Rogen just seems like such a nice guy. Exactly, yeah. Well, that's because he wasn't supposed to be Dale. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, well, I guess that's... that's uh, We've said all we can say and then some. Again. Yeah, uh, it's it's fine, you yeah. know. If you're if you're looking for a laugh, watch it. You know. Yeah, don't. Like uh, otherwise, don't. Like it's fine. Like, like, like Jake watched it sober. Well, he might have been. He might have had a beer <laughs> or two. Like I didn't do that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, like I didn't. Pretty much sober. Yeah. I like. I really. Sorry? I piled it on when I watched this movie. And even right. then, I was like, the second half <laughs> was a bit of a slog. Yeah. So there you go. There you it, go. Yeah. As a stoner movie, it's probably one of the better. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Final review. As it might be, sure beats half. It might be the best stoner movie. <laughs> I don't know. I'll we'll, we'll rewatch Harold and Kumar. Get back to you on that one. Yeah. All right. The first one or the second one? Oh, fuck the second one. Or anything past the first yeah. one. I don't know. Thank you.